0: This episode of the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast is brought to you by Hamilton, a value-add investment and development firm in Nashville, Tennessee, focused on bringing passive real estate investment opportunities directly to your inbox. Visit www.dot.investwithhamilton.dot.com/slash/invest to sign up for upcoming investment opportunities. Welcome back. It's another Tuesday, another live podcast episode here from Cobble Studios uh, in my office. Um, got a really fun one for you today, going to be talking about red flags in commercial real estate deals when to walk away. Even though you've got a deal under contract, even though you've spent money on due diligence, sometimes walking away from a bad deal is better than getting into the deal at all. We uh, So in addition to being an investor and developer, um, some of y'all may know that I also help broker mostly triple net and single tenant net lease investments across the country. And one of our clients was recently under contract on a uh, industrial property in the Midwest, and a bunch of red flags came up. Now, I will caveat this with all of these red flags individually are not necessarily a reason for you to walk away from a deal. In fact, a lot of these red flags could be seen as a good opportunity for you to renegotiate with a seller, or maybe you're going to find something that uh, other buyers may not necessarily have seen, right, we'll be talking about some rent roll discrepancies, right, that can scare a lot of people away, especially if you've never dealt with, you know, the leases versus the rent roll versus cash collected. Uh, but it could be an opportunity. Maybe you're going to find something that the seller themselves even missed. But uh, this one is a bit of a mess. So if you're joining us live, feel free to uh, jump in the live chat with the comments. If I'm not able to get to it, or if you're listening on the podcast at a later date, come join us live. Typically, we're doing these on Tuesday afternoons. Um, I'm scheduling them on YouTube um, so that everybody can, uh, can see that, but I don't always have time to uh schedule these out in advance. I'm trying to get better about that. I know, guys. I'm working on it. But anyway, let's jump into red flag number 1 on this deal. Uh I'm going to walk through the red flags that we found on this deal and then some other red flags that we have seen um in other opportunities. The sales broker, so the the sales rep, uh leasing agent or not leasing agent, the sales rep broker, right? They're representing the property, they're representing the seller. They're uh Basically, the opposing team, right? I mean, they're trying to help you get the deal done as well, uh, but they have different goals in mind and different needs. The sales broker pushing to use their vendors, unreasonably so, right? I mean, there's there is a such thing as as a a sales rep broker or just a broker in general saying, hey, I, I would recommend you use this group, you know, call this bank, call this title agency, call this uh, commercial attorney, because I know that they can help you get the deal done. Now in this deal, we had a a commercial real estate broker that was unbelievably pushing hard for us to use their in house lending broker. Right? So this was a a shop that happened to have a, a loan rep within their company. And I would imagine that they get, you know, the, the sales broker probably gets a kickback. And of course, his buddy gets to get paid on placing that debt. Yosef, uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us live. So th- this this rap was just really pushing so hard to the point where they uh, didn't believe that we had a term sheet from our lender. Uh, who we were already talking to. My client had a mortgage broker already that we were working with. And we said, yeah, we're happy to talk to your guy, but we've already got a guy and we're you know shopping around as well. So he started calling our lender, trying to verify the term sheet. Never had this happen before. Big, big red flag to me. And it wasn't like a, a single call or a single email or he didn't send an email and copy my client and I on it he was blowing this guy's phone up, like every hour, uh, probably made seven or eight phone calls to the lender trying to get a hold of him to verify this term sheet. And this was within a 48 hour period. Again, that's just not typical, you shouldn't experience anything like that. Uh, when you're going through this process, yes, d- do the brokers want to know that you have debt and lending secured on an investment, of course, especially when we're on a shorter timeline, that is typical. What is not typical is calling around the buyer's agent and trying to confirm that after we've provided confirmation that we have a lending term sheet. So if a if a sales rep uh, starts to push, you know, use our lender, use our title company, uh, and, and they're doing so, use our inspection team, and they're doing so just in a, in, in a very pushy way. To me, it's it, something smells off. Time to start, you know looking into it a little bit further and figuring out what their motivations might be. Uh, We also we also scheduled physical inspections on this property a week in advance. And the broker texted me uh, two days before asking us to push it back a day. We said no, we can't do that. We notified you a week ago that we were going to be on site for physical inspections. And we've already coordinated with our HVAC technician. We've coordinated with our inspection team. Uh, my, My client was gonna be on site looking at the property as well. And it's just not easy to go and reschedule everybody two days in advance. Well, they didn't like that. They wanted the owner to be on site. And they kept trying to cancel our inspections. And, you know, it's one thing if you've got a 90 day due diligence period to move it a day or, a, or two days or a week and be flexible. But after we scheduled it in advance and we had, I want to say 20 or 21 days of inspection, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember. That's not very much time. And that starts to really every single day adds up and is very important, especially when you're trying to figure out if the property is in good enough condition. Well, they then said, OK, that's fine. You can go do physical inspections, but you cannot talk to any of the tenants. Again, not a red flag on its own. Looking back, Insight 2020, huge red flag. They did not want us talking to the tenants whatsoever. Typically, you don't have conversations with the tenants as a buyer until, you know, the week before closing or, you know, when you get close to closing so that, you know, um, so that the sellers know that you're not going to go in there and disrupt the whole pattern and then not close on the property and cause issues for them down down the road. Totally fair, right. Um, And then that's a very reasonable request. That's why you get estoppels on any asset that you're buying. The estoppel is a document that the tenant and the seller will sign stating this is the lease that is, you know, in place on the property you'd be amazed at how many times a tenant has a totally different lease than the, what the, the seller has given you. Um, sometimes, I mean, usually it's 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 because there are multiple different leases that they've negotiated throughout the years. And it's not a nefarious issue. But sometimes, you know, some sellers are just trying to be sneaky and get things past you, which I, I don't always appreciate. Um, when my client showed up on site to do the inspections, they would not let them into the tenant spaces big red flag why won't you let we scheduled physical inspections for this day you won't let us in the building so we get to look at the exterior of the building well i could i didn't have to schedule that with you to get inside we could have just driven past and done that so we got to look at the hvac units the roof the exterior facade and they tried to get us to just use the photos in the listing as evidence of what the interior looked like i mean I texted my client. I said, we're not doing that. We're not taking their word for what the condition of this space is. Tenants may be responsible for it on a net lease basis, but you have no idea what is going on inside those spaces. They could have taken the pictures two years ago, and the tenants have since torn everything up. Hey, Joseph, what's going on? Uh, You're asking, what other due diligence am I doing? Um, I've got a couple of videos uh, on commercial real estate due diligence. I've actually got one that will link you to a commercial real estate due diligence checklist. Uh, But I'll try and get back to that towards the end um, and walk through uh, a little more of of the types of due diligence or the actions that we're taking uh, whenever we go under contract on a property. So anyway, they're looking at they're not letting us get inside these spaces uh, after trying to, you know, one, making sure that we do not talk to the tenants and then they won't reschedule that for two to three days. And that's, that's not going to fly with us. So already, uh, we're feeling a little weird. They've, they've been overly pushy with their winding, and they totally botched, uh, the physical inspections, which usually that can be, that goes very smoothly, very quickly. You don't talk to the tenants. You know, sometimes we'll even say, oh, we're with the new insurance company and we're just coming through and inspecting the property that way the tenants don't know. Because again, to be fair, from the seller's perspective, you don't want your tenants finding out the building is for sale or may be sold because sometimes tenants freak out about that and think, oh, well, I'm going to get kicked out because the building's being sold. Well, no, you've got a lease. You're, You're totally fine. We're not trying to get rid of you. In fact, we're buying your income. So, you know, just roll with it. Stick with us. Um this was another one. So again, we're on a very, very short due diligence period. And after botching the physical inspections, and which ended up, you know, adding another four or five days onto our time, we went back and we said, Hey, look, we need another two days added on to the due diligence period to make sure that we are able to get all of our ducks in a row to figure everything out since you guys ended up pushing our inspections back. Flat out refused the quest, the request, and would not work with us to extend the due diligence period. We're talking two days. It's not like my client and I came back and asked for a 30 day extension. It's just, no, we just need to make sure that we understand what we are buying before any money goes hard because of what's going on. We haven't even seen the inside. And the seller was not willing to budge at all, at all. The seller must not be easy to work with because the deal had fallen out of contract the week before we put it under contract which makes me think maybe the previous buyer found out a couple of the same things that we're starting to see in this process. Um, After that, we had a refusal to share some due diligence materials. In the purchase and sale agreement, it is a requirement that the seller provide you with any and all due due diligence materials that they have. Well, we got up on the roof and inspected it and the report came back that there was some damage to the roof that might be covered under warranty. Well, That's great, right? Because we as the incoming buyer don't need to worry about having to pay for that. Uh, so it doesn't need to be in our capital expenditure list. It just needs to be covered under warranty. So we asked the seller to have the, the warranty crew come out and inspect the property and provide us with a copy of the warranty. Well, they just kept saying, oh, don't worry about it. It's covered under warranty. Y'all don't need to worry about that. It's it's going to be taken care of and refuse to share it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not just going to take somebody's word that a roof is covered under warranty and that the damage that is currently on the roof, which is the current sellers, the current owners, issues are going to just magically get resolved after my client buys it. Big red flag. So I'm sure at this point you guys are starting to see red flag after red flag after red flag, none of these on their own would have necessarily been a deal killer. But all of those combined, we just got spooked. And, you know, buying commercial real estate is as much of a psychological game as it is a numbers game, or just a logical game. Right? I mean, if we can't get comfortable, and we don't feel good about buying a property, why would we why would we move forward and take the risk? This is a $2.9 million asset. It's not like we're just buying a cheeseburger, I need to know exactly what we are buying and getting ourselves into. So as a broker, I don't make commissions unless a deal closes, right? Most brokers don't, this is kind of how the deal is structured. But I'm also doing this for the long term, I can't have a client getting into a bad deal. And then looking at me and going, this is your fault. How come you didn't help us? Or how come you didn't advise us the right way? So I advised them, I started telling them, you know, kind of after the first few red flags, we might want to consider moving on from this. I know that, you know, we've spent some money on legal fees, we've spent money on inspections. It's never fun to walk away from those costs. But sometimes, again, it's necessary. I would rather spend two, four, five grand and walk away from a property than buy it and have to spend $50,000 on a roof, and get into one of the tenant spaces and realize that, you know, they've ripped out all the walls, and there's a hole in the floor, right? Like that's just it's going to be so much of a burden. And that's not the point of a triple net or single tenant at least asset, right? We're buying these as a relatively passive investment. So something to keep in mind. Uh, this didn't happen on this deal. Uh, But it has happened frequently in other deals, too many lease discrepancies, too many rent roll discrepancies. You know, the the sellers will be able to provide cash flow statements on the property, how much rent they've been collecting every month. And then you'll go back and basically do your own audit of the financials and compare that to the lease to see what the tenants are supposed to be paying and compare it to the rent roll of what the landlord is claiming the tenants are paying every month. It's one thing for a lease to be off by three to five percent, or you know, maybe they've just never, uh, maybe they've never increased the rent, even though they were supposed to in the lease. You'll see things like that occasionally, especially with the less sophisticated owners. Maybe they don't have property managers really inspecting all of that for them. But to have almost every single lease have an issue with it is it can that that's very concerning to me. Uh, I've only had this happen a couple of times in my career. But we ended up having to this was on on some bigger shopping centers with 30 plus tenants, we ended up having to extend due diligence by 30 to 60 days or more, so that we could make sure that we understood what leases we were buying. Because some of the leases had pages missing. Some of them were scanned in upside down. uh, Some had addendums that were not present in the lease copy that we were given. And some of them referenced other documents that we didn't have. So You can imagine, I mean, as a as a buyer, if there is not absolute security in that lease, you have no idea what you're buying. So that's a that's a big red flag. Make sure that you are checking for that. Um, There are so many other reasons to walk away from a deal. You know, it's it's not something that we like to do. Uh, It's not something that I ever want to do, especially after spending money, especially on my front, right? I've done that before. We've walked away from deals. I like to tell sellers, that when I'm buying their property, and I put it under contract, I am not going to walk away from it unless there's something that comes up that they won't work with me on, or that none of us could have possibly expected. I think that's only ever happened one time in my entire in my nine year career thus far. It's only happened one time. And it's because we had a seller that wouldn't work with us on something that also probably should have disclosed something that they didn't. Right? Because you want a reputation as a commercial real estate investor, that when you put a property under contract, you're closing, it's, it's, it's always nice to be able to genuinely say that to every seller you come across. Look, if I put this property under contract, I'm closing, you know. And unfortunately, on this deal, the seller was just unreasonable. The broker was relatively inexperienced, he, he was a, he was a much younger broker. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully it was a good learning experience for him just to see, you know, one, the the process of making sure that anything scheduled goes smoothly, but two, handling client expectations. The fact that they weren't willing to even budge on a two-day due diligence period meant to us, if this roof comes back and it's not covered under warranty and it is a $50,000 charge, the seller won't even work with us to give a $50,000 discount. At least that was our perception. And I think that that's a pretty fair conclusion to come to. So in the end, we ended up having to walk away. And that's... uh, not the worst thing in the world because, you know, now we're looking at other assets and we'll we'll find something here pretty soon. But there, those are some reasons for when you should walk away from a commercial real estate investment. Even though you've spent money, count it as a sunk cost, and uh, move on to the next one. There's always another deal that is not the the one that you have under contract is not the best deal in the world. There's always going to be other deals out there. That's the great thing about real estate, is that there is a ton of it out there. So uh As I said, guys, we go live on Tuesdays. Feel free to check the YouTube channel uh, for pre-scheduled live streams. And uh, other than that, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast, brought to you by Hamilton, your resource for passive real estate investment opportunities. Visit www.investwithhamilton.com to start building your passive real estate portfolio today.